The title of what I'm sharing this morning is What Repentance Really Means. If you're making notes, you might want to jot that down, what repentance really means. I'd like to just begin by praying because this is very important, that the power of the Spirit of God is moving and working through the time of the sharing of the Word. Spirit of the Lord, I am dependent on you. I pray that you would put your fire in my mouth. I pray that there would be boldness. I pray that there would be tremendous receptivity. We know that you are moving at this time and we want to be responsive. So we open up our hearts and say, Lord, talk to us, work in us, have your way in us. We mean this in Jesus' name. And we all say, amen. What repentance really means, that is what we are talking about today. And to kick things off, I'd like to say the following, that I truly sense the Lord stirring my heart to speak on repentance. I honestly believe that this is on God's heart at this moment in time, and I truly feel like I am under the mandate of the Spirit of God to share this word with you. I do not believe this is just like a good idea. I sense that this is God's whispers and God's speaking right now. And so I say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Now let me say this. God wants to bring revival and refreshing in South Africa. Is anybody with me? Are you awake this morning? Because if you're not beginning to sense that already, then something is missing. Come on, God is wanting to bring revival and refreshing in South Africa. But there needs to be a preparation of our hearts. There needs to be a preparation of the soil. It says in Acts 3 verse 19, it says, repent. We're talking about what repentance really means. It says, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, times of refreshing, please say that with me, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Do you see the connection here between repentance and refreshing. It's right there. Do you see the connection? Do you see the connection between repentance and revival? It's very clear. And by the way, if you study many of the revivals that took place over many years, the Welsh revival is one of the great revivals of history that I think of, there is always repentance at a time when God brings revival. Another thing that you'll also notice together with revival times is a great focus on prayer. People begin to pray like never before. They don't pray for kicks. They pray because they are, you know, for survival. They pray because they mean business with God. It is really powerful. But there is this connection about repenting and then times of refreshing coming from the presence of the Lord. There are five aspects that I'm wanting to touch on today, five points, and the fifth one will tend to be more of a practical point. Point number one, the biblical importance of repentance. 
Please say that with me. The biblical importance of repentance. I'm thinking if we're talking repentance, I want to make sure that it is very strong in the Word of God, and it's not just one or two random scriptures here and there. But the reality is that repentance is a theme which occurs throughout the Word of God. Right from Genesis to Revelation, repentance is there as a theme. And in fact, God, God's Word places significant emphasis on the subject of repentance. Have you realized that? Have you taken note of that before? I mean, if you think of the Old Testament and how the messengers of God, the prophets of God, regularly were speaking to the people and they were saying, turn from your sin and turn to God. They were saying, turn from these worthless idols, turn from these worthless ways, turn to God. We see this as a, a major theme throughout the Old Testament. And in Ezekiel, we see just such an example of a call to repentance. Ezekiel 18 verse 30 says, and this is God speaking, therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God, repent, that's what we're talking, and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity may not be your ruin. A clear call to repentance. But also this phrase that says that iniquity will not be your ruin. Some of us think that we can play around with the things of the devil. We can dabble in sin and things like this, and it's going to be okay. It won't affect you. No, I want to tell you it will affect you. Those things will be your ruin. Initially, they might look like fun and great and so on, but therein, in the end, lies destruction. But the way of serving God is a way that leads to blessing and hope and life and a future and joy inexpressible and full of glory and ultimately heaven with God one day. And so it's so important that we choose what is pleasing to God because the benefits are simply incredible. And so here in Ezekiel 18, we see this clear call, repent and turn. Then moving on into the New Testament, John the Baptist. Remember, he was a wild-looking guy. His, his diet was uh, locusts and wild honey, dressed in camel skin and so on. And John the Baptist preached repentance with tremendous boldness. And he said in Matthew 3, verse 2, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Where did that message come from? John didn't just conjure it up within himself. No, it was given to him by the Spirit of God and he was declaring the oracles of God, calling people to repentance and preparing the way for Jesus. But then after John the Baptist, who's next? Well, Jesus himself then begins his earthly ministry with a call to repentance. Matthew 4 verse 17 says, from that time, Jesus, began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then we move out of the gospels and we go into the book of Acts and we see on the day of Pentecost, the church of Jesus Christ was birthed on that day with a call to repentance. And in Acts 2 verse 38, 
It says the following. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I've heard some people say that, you know, after the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, repentance is not an issue anymore. I want to say that that is incorrect. Right after that all took place, on the day of Pentecost, the new church birthed by God is declaring, you need to be repentant and you need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let people speak nonsense into your head. Repentance is for today. And so that was Peter speaking, but then later on in the book of Acts, they are still preaching repentance. In Acts 17, verse 30 and 31, now it's not Peter, now it's Paul, the apostle. Paul says, but now God commands, would you say commands? So it's not the blessed suggestion. <laughs> but now God commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. One of the reasons why we need to repent is there is coming a day when God says, I will judge the world. I will judge it in perfect righteousness. But then furthermore, Besides for all these things of the prophets and John the Baptist and Jesus and Peter and Paul preaching this whole aspect of repentance, furthermore, repentance is listed as one of the foundational doctrines in the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter six. It gives six foundational doctrines that need to be in place in each Christian's life and it is the very first one that is mentioned, repentance from dead works. And in addition to that, moving on from Hebrews into the book of Revelation, repentance even features a number of times in the book of Revelation. So what, I'm saying, what am I saying to you today? Repentance is most certainly important. But I ask you, do you see repentance as absolutely important? You're a bit quiet this morning, church. Do you see it as absolutely important? Can I get an Amen. Because from Scripture, clearly it is. I want to make it clear, repentance is not outdated at all. It is not irrelevant, but it is still 100% relevant for today. Amen. So I ask you this question, have you ever come to God in repentance? Some people were doing that right now, coming to God in repentance, in the salvation altar call. It is so wonderful. Point number two, what is repentance? We see in the first point that it's so important, that it's so clearly emphasized through Scripture, but what is it? Well, the Greek word for repentance is metanoia. Please say metanoia. Metanoia basically means a change of mind, right in its core. That's it, metanoia a change of mind, but it also implies sorrow for sin, and it also implies a complete turning away from sin towards God. Put it this way, it's kind of like a 180 degree turn. So, one moment you are pursuing doing life in your own way, 
and then you encounter the grace of God and you repent and you turn completely around and the next moment, you're not pursuing your old life anymore, you're pursuing your new life in Jesus Christ. There is a complete turnaround. That is what repentance is all about. Now, here is a simple definition of repentance. If you wanna write this down, you do well to do so. This is it a change of mind that results in a change of behavior. Let me just repeat that again. What is a simple definition of repentance? It's a change of mind that results in a change of behavior. Let me give you an example. Maybe you're in your car, you're driving out of Pretoria, you head in south, you head in towards Bloemfontein, and then you change your mind about going to Bloemfontein, and you decide, well, I'm not going to Bloemfontein anymore, and then you don't go there. <laughs> it's obvious, but yeah, you don't go there. But you turn around, you take a turn off, you go some other way, you go in another direction, maybe you turn around, you head towards Messina or something like that, but you don't go there anymore. When God calls you out of a life of darkness into pursuing him, there's places that you do not go anymore because you know you do not belong there. You're a redeemed child of God. You don't belong there. And so you don't go there. Now, question, why is repentance necessary? Well, just to say this, it's because we have all sinned, every one of us and we have fallen short of the glory of God. And in talking about repentance today, I want to say, let us not downplay the seriousness of sin. It is not a joke. The world is constantly trying to downplay the seriousness of sin. They say, don't call it sin. It's not that. It's just this, and it's just this person's mindset and so on. I want to tell you, don't downplay it. God does not downplay it. It is serious. And our holy God, which we serve, he cannot overlook sin. He cannot excuse sin. And that's why, if we want to come to him out of not knowing Jesus, we first have to repent. We have to repent, what does that mean? It means that the sin issue gets dealt with and moved out of the way. We have a change of mind, a change of behavior, and suddenly Jesus becomes the most important thing in all of the world. And I think of that song, the greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. I wanna know you more, Lord, I wanna know you more. Now, if there is, genuine repentance, there will always be godly sorrow. Please say godly sorrow. It says in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 in the NIV, it says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. It's actually so wonderful when there is godly sorrow when there's a situation of where we're genuinely cut to the heart. And it's so important that we're not sorrowful in a situation because perhaps we may have been caught out, but we're sorrowful because we realize we have actually grieved the Holy Spirit. And that's why we are sorrowful. 
How do you know if true repentance has taken place? Well, there will be godly sorrow. But in addition to godly sorrow, there must be a change of behavior. If you say you've repented but you've never changed, then something is missing. There's gotta be a change of behavior and there needs to be righteousness in that person's actions. In other words, there must be fruit. Now, it says in Matthew 3 verse eight in the NIV, it says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. When there's really been repentance, there is fruit that begins to be born. We bear fruit in our lives. Not so long ago, we had to ask a, a gentleman who was part of this church to not attend the services anymore. We revoked this person's membership because although we had spent endless hours counseling, praying with him, calling him to repentance over and over and over again, doing deliverance and what have you and so on. He would be very sort of tearful and cry and so on, but then he would go straight out and do the same thing again, over and over again. And eventually it got to the place where we said, we're not prepared to have this in more, anymore. We are taking a stand and we said, you have to leave the church. That should tell you that we are serious as a local church about honoring God. That should make you feel safe in this, in this place, in this house, because we're serious about honoring God. Zacchaeus, he's an excellent example of somebody who repented. And uh, he had stolen and he had cheated and defrauded people until he met Jesus. And suddenly he had a change of mind, his life was changed. And immediately he began to make restitution with those that he had wronged, and he became a completely different person. What is that? It is fruit in keeping with repentance. I want to say to you that the Lord is patient. He is patiently waiting for the prodigals to come home. And you know what? God is giving them time to turn to him. Do you know that God doesn't want anyone to perish? And it says in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but here it comes, but that all should come to repentance. God is working by his spirit, even in your unsaved family uh, members and friends and so on, and he is trying to draw them, draw them to repentance. He is working all the time. He's patient. But there comes a time when we have to say, well, I repent and I submit my life to Jesus Christ. Number three, repentance is an essential step to salvation in Christ. Say this with me. Repentance is an essential step to salvation in Christ. It says in Luke 13, verse five, Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you no, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. This is the Son of God saying that repentance is necessary. He's making it clear that everyone needs to repent in order to be saved. And by the way, when we talk about repentance in relation to salvation, it essentially means that we are changing our minds 
with how we view sin and we're changing our minds with how we view Jesus. And in terms of sin, no longer after we've repented do we see sin as acceptable, but we see it as an offense to God. We see it for what it is because the scales have come off our eyes. But then also, no longer do we just see Jesus as, oh, some story, some uh, historical figure, but now, because of repentance and coming to God, we have had a change of mind, and we realize He is the Savior and the Lord of all, and we begin to place our faith in Him. So we have a change of mind with how we view sin and how we view Jesus, and we come to Him as our Lord and Savior. Amen? Praise God. Some people tend to think that you can come to Jesus and you can just still practice your old ways, but that is incorrect because repentance is a requirement to coming to salvation. But you know what? I have good news for you today. Nobody needs to perish. Nobody needs to die. This is good news because God has made a way for everyone to be saved. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Everyone. And the scripture, which we must never get too used to, in John 3 verse 16 in the New Living says, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And I'm of the firm conviction that it is Father's greatest joy to give the gift of eternal life to us as we come to repentance in Him. It's such a joy for Father to bless us and bless us with all the other spiritual blessings in Christ in heavenly places. Praise God. Number four, this is important. Even Christians need to repent if we get off track. Please say that aloud with me. Even Christians need to repent if we get off track. So, repentance isn't just about the lost coming to Christ, but it is, an, it is necessary for believers who have gotten into things that they shouldn't have gotten into. Many people don't understand this aspect of repentance. They think it's just you, you repent of your sins and you're an unbeliever and you get saved. But I've discovered as you walk with God, as God shines his light on certain things that you go before him and say, God, I'm sorry. I began to get into wrong thinking in this area. I repent of that. Now, Revelation chapter two. Can you turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter two, verse five? This is, this is a scripture that I just wanted you to have a look at. And so this is one of the situations where God is writing through John to seven churches in the book of Revelation, and repentance comes into this. Revelation 2 verse 5 says the following, God said, remember therefore from where you have fallen, and what's that next word say it? Repent. And do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I'd like to point out 
This was written to believers in the church in Ephesus. And by the way, God firstly complimented them on certain things that they had done well, but then he also called on them to repent. And what did they need to repent of? Essentially, they had to repent because they had left their first love. They had lost their first love. And when we lose our first love, it is actually something that we need to repent of. Do you hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church? Christians need to be responsive. And so they needed to repent, even although they had been working hard, they had been doing many wonderful things for God, but they had neglected their love relationship with God. I want to tell you, it is so important, child of God, that you would tend the fire of your love for God. It's your job to put wood on the fire. The Spirit of God will help you, but you still need to put wood on the fire and tend and watch over that, because if we neglect the fire, then we're actually needing to repent. Now, there's these seven churches in Revelation, and what is quite interesting is out of the seven churches, five of them, everybody say five, five of them needed to repent in some or other way. And it just made me think, what about the churches in the east of Pretoria? There's many more than seven churches in the east of Pretoria. How many of them, ourselves included, need to repent at this point in time? Let us be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord. There were only two churches that did not need to repent, and they were Smyrna and Philadelphia. But in terms of the others, you might say, well, what did those churches need to repent of? Here's a couple of things, four or five things they had to repent of. They had to repent of tolerating false doctrine. And in one of these churches, it wasn't the whole church that was into it. There was a couple of people into false doctrine, and God said, you have tolerated them. You've allowed them in your midst. They have to get out of your midst, and I hold that against you. You need to repent of that. God is very serious about his church remaining pure. Another one of the churches, they were allowing sexual immorality. God called them to repent. Another one of the churches, they were not dealing with Jezebel, a false prophetess who was leading people astray. And God was challenging them. Another church had to repent of being lukewarm. And God says, I don't want you lukewarm. I'd rather have you hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. You need to repent of being lukewarm. And here's another last one. Uh, of these churches, one of them, the church in Sardis, had to repent of spiritual slumber. I wonder how many churches in South Africa need to repent of spiritual slumber. And when God is talking to them in the book of Revelation, he actually says these words. He says, wake up. He says that, he says, wake up. And I declare that word to South Africa, to churches that are dead in the name of Jesus. And I declare, wake up in the name of Jesus. Wake up, O oh sleeper. Wake up, O oh sleeper. And so I believe that as children of God, we need to be quick to repent. When the Holy Spirit shines his light on something that we need to be working on, don't take six weeks to get to it, but just say, okay, God, I get on my knees, I'm sorry, and I repent of that. Point number five, which I said to you would be a more practical point. Number five, 
Seek an opportunity for repentance and cleansing. This is where we're getting into something practical here. Seek an opportunity for repentance and cleansing. So it's one thing to talk about all this, the importance of it, and that we need to do this and so on, but there actually comes a time when you have to do it. You have to pray, you have to get on your knees, you have to repent of things that God is highlighting. It says in uh, Revelation 3 verse 19, God says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. May I tell you that God calling people to change and, and turn away from certain things, his children, he is doing it because he loves you. He's doing it because he wants the best in your life. And so we need to repent, repent and be eager to pursue what is right. Hebrews chapter 12 is the last verse I wanna to mention to you. You don't have to turn there, I'll just mention it. But it says this. Let us lay aside every weight. It's an interesting term. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so I wanna tell you, I declare under the anointing of the Spirit of God that it is time to lay aside weights and sins so that we can run flat out for God and so that God can bring the work of awakening that He is wanting to bring. It's time to lay things aside that are stopping you from being able to run as you should. It's time to cleanse our hearts. What does that mean? It means to repent so that Times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. Now, listen carefully. I really ask, listen carefully. In two weeks' time, on Sunday, the 14th of August, we will have a bonfire here at the church to burn any items of evil, any unclean items, any items of bondage here at church on Sunday, the 14th of August. Now, let me say this. You might say, well, how do I prepare for this? And that's exactly what I wanna mention here. As you leave the service just now, once we've closed in prayer, you will receive what is called an occult and false religion checklist. It's a checklist that details over 210 things that cause bondage in people's lives. Some people get into these things out of ignorance. They don't even really know. They don't even understand that horoscopes bring demonic bondage into their homes. And so they're things that we're gonna deal with. And so uh, let me just mention a couple of things that are included in this list. There's 210, these are a few of them. Things like astrology, black magic, clairvoyance, crystal ball gazing, divining rods, Eastern meditation, fortune telling, horoscopes, hypnosis, idols, iridology, mood rings, occult literature, occult games, occult symbols, Ouija boards, palm reading, Reiki, secret societies, tarot cards, witchcraft, ancestral worship, Buddhism, Freemasonry, Hinduism, Rastafarianism, Satanism, Scientology, Voodoo, etc. Now, those are just a couple of the ones that I have mentioned, but there are well over 200 on that list. Just to let you know, 
that list was put together by a well-regarded counseling ministry overseas, and they have given us permission to use that. Also to say that this list does come from 2007, so it doesn't uh, include or contain maybe some of the latest South African occult bondage things or African occult bondage things. And, and also I believe that there's many things in new technology that we may wanna add as well. There are some games which are downright playgrounds of the occult. Come on, that need to be destroyed, they need to be burnt, they need to be dealt with. And so this is it. We want to encourage you to take this list that you will receive at the end of the service and that over these next two weeks that you would just find a quiet moment with the Lord on your own and read through this list and say, Holy Spirit, if there's anything, Lord, I'm not gonna go dig and do all sorts of you know, deep excavation, but if there's anything, Lord, as I read through this, would you just highlight it to me because I'll be dealing with whatever you highlight to me, Holy Spirit. I wanna be sensitive to you. And so just say, Lord, is there any area that I need to deal with? And then you repent of those things right there where you are. And God might highlight some things which are not on that list. Include them as well. God might speak to you about some things that you began to get into during lockdown when you were so desperate and fearful and so on, and there's things that God wants to cleanse out of your life at this point in time so that he can bring revival, so that he can bring refreshing. And so we wanna be sensitive to the Lord. Now, practically speaking, what will happen is on Sunday the 14th, we invite you firstly to, once you've gone through that time of prayer at home, then you go through your home, and if there are any items of bondage that need to be destroyed, gather those items, put them into a plastic bag or a dustbin bag, etc. and you come, bring them to church on that Sunday in a packet and place them on the grass patch just outside the foyer, right close to the lift there, and you just leave them there, and then during both the eight o'clock and the 10 o'clock service, our pastors and team are gonna take those items across to the old tent patch, and during the service, uh, we'll have a moment where I'll go out there and you'll see it happening on the screens. We'll pray a prayer and then we will set those things ablaze and we will destroy the works of the devil. And so you will see these visuals taking place. And I believe that this is on God's heart at this point in time. By the way, we did this a number of years ago in 2007. The church was a lot smaller back then. But boy, oh boy, people brought a pile of stuff. I think of some of the things that came in, occult books, satanic Bibles, idols, statues, Freemasonry paraphernalia, and all sorts of things. And I believe that God is gonna use this time, there's gonna come a cleansing to the body of Christ, and we're gonna see the Spirit of God moving in a greater way. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Repent and cleanse your hearts that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now, would you please stand with me? As you're standing with me right now, I just wanna say, you say, well, John, just make it simple for me. 
Why is this all necessary? Because you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are God's own special people. And because we want to be a sacrifice, a holy sacrifice to the Lord. And it says in Romans 12 verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies or your lives a living sacrifice, and then it says holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Let's pray. Father God, surely this is a divine day of destiny and a divine appointment that we are busy with right now. And we just say, God, we are so open. We will obey. We will do whatever you say. We're a church that is yielded, that is responsive. We will do whatever you say. And I thank you, that Holy Spirit, that you are going to be working in our hearts and lives. We determine that we do not want any weights and sins. We do not want anything that hinders us from running the race set before us. And so we thank you, God, that you will preside over this time of cleansing and of repentance. And in the end, all the glory and the honor will be due to your name. And the name of Jesus will be exalted. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And if you agree, would you say amen?